0: Blog Talk Radio Rad right into this world All alone Gas take your soul You're on your own A crow flash Train
1: Welcome to Way in Sports Talk. Today is Sunday, March 2nd. Before we get started, here are a few reminders. We would love to hear from you, and here are several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564, or join us in the chat room by listening online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino, or follow us on Twitter, at Weigh In Sports. Now, here's your host, Brian Tarvin, and co-host, Trey Patterson. Let's weigh in.
2: Thank you, Michelle, for the intro, and just like she said, welcome, everyone, to Weigh In Sports Talk. Trey will not be with us tonight, so Sonny Quark's going to fill in and Cuervo's going to be here. Hopefully, we'll get a lot of callers tonight. We have several things to talk about on the agenda, so everybody, welcome to the show. I was just making sure I wasn't on mute. I apologize for that. We have a couple in studio right now, people are coming into the chat room, so let me give the call-in number for everybody, 646-716-5564. 646-716-5564. Hope all of you have had a great week. We haven't seen you since last Sunday night. We did take a short hiatus Wednesday night. And we are back tonight. So if you're in the studio and you'd like to talk, press number one, and we'll get you in here immediately. So unlike ESPN, CBS, and of those other shows, you don't have to worry about not getting heard. You will be heard. And, and we'll just start out and... And Paul wanted me to, to touch on Mike Cronin, the coach of Cincinnati. And I want him to talk about this as well if, if he wants to. Uh, you know, he's, he's been a, in some arguments with the refs all season, some heated arguments. And, and there's a fine line. You see a lot of coaches out there that that's just their personality. They're very aggressive with officials. I'm a, I was a coach, and honestly. I was a little aggressive toward officials, not ever touching them or anything, but I was verbal, I guess you could say verbally abusing officials. But I want to hear Paul Ewing's take on this this coach, if you would like to come in and talk about it and discuss it with me. Hit number one, Paul, in the studio if you'd like to. I just want your thoughts on this. My thoughts on it are coaches are out there. They have to be themselves. If they're going to gain respect to their teammates, the team members, they have to understand it they have to understand that he has their back. So and if he's acting like somebody he's not in the game, they're going to catch up, they're going to sniff that out, and they're going to lose respect for him. So my opinion on this, Paul, you're out there listening right now, is as long as he's not actually touching an official, he understands he can get teed up if he gets over the top verbally abusing a, any official, but as long as he's doing it in the right way, I don't have a problem with it, and Paul's with us now. Paul, it just seems like to me, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, watch out for this coach because he seems to be making the climb up. What, what do you look at when you see this coach? What problems do you have with him?
3: I just, you know, I don't know if you, I don't know how closely you follow college basketball, but you know, last year Cincinnati was involved with that brawl. I believe it was against Xavier. I think they're pretty big rivals. I don't know, but you know, it just seems like there's lack of of discipline, and then for some reason this year it just seems like, I think this is like the third time he's been a feature on ESPN Sports Center about going off on officials. I mean, he just, he goes crazy, you know, and he's like, and this time yesterday his own players were having to hold him back from this official, from getting in this official's face. And then, it was like I was talking with Jonathan last night, you know, if I'm the athletic director, let's just say you're the athletic director and you're sitting there on um, Saturday night with your family and you see your head basketball coach being interviewed in a postgame and his excuse for what happened was he got in my face first. I mean, how I just you know, with his track record how how mu how how, how 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 many times are you gonna have to call him into the office and sit him down before it stops. You know, there, there's well, one thing about getting upset, but time and time again, you know.
2: Paul, he, he did say, my beef with that guy is that guys like Mike Cronin and Buzz Williams of the world, we deal with some of it. When nobody gets into Jim Bayhimes and Mike Krzyzewski's of the world's faces, that's the issue. He feels, he, he feels like that. A, that these officials are coming up to him, getting in. but they wouldn't do that to a, a top-notch coach. But he's he's feeling picked on, I guess, Paul. So I'm not buying I think that. Why we'll
3: is no one else being picked on? It's just Mike Cronin, I guess. Just pick on Mike Cronin yeah.
2: here. Yeah, but I mean, as a player, Paul, and if you have a coach that's out there fired up, and some coaches, uh, you saw you saw Calipari get ejected from a game last night, which you never see. Maybe he's trying to fire his team up, but do you think this guy's trying to fire his team up, or, or do you think he's just out there trying to make an ass of himself? Really, trying to get the the, the spotlight on him. I just think he has again. an anger
3: issue. I just think he has an anger issue. I mean, he's known for it. This isn't. It'd be one thing if it was few and far between, like Bo- Boheim and Calipari and Shostakiewicz, you know, and even my guy Billy Donovan. He gets heated up sometimes. But it just seems like this guy's on Sports Center all the time, just yelling and screaming, and in, and in a guy's in the referee's face, you know. And then, and then, he don't even want to be professional about it. Like I told you, his excuse to the media is he got in my face first, you know, like like this is well. recess or something.
2: Well, Paul, we have Sonny Clark on the line with us. Sonny, thanks for joining us. I don't know how how much of this conversation you've heard, but we're talking about Cincinnati Bearcats coach Mike Cronin, and Paul's talking about his tendency of always getting in trouble with officials, getting in their face, almost getting ejected. Um, What do you think about this, Coach?
4: Well, I, the only thing I would say is if they're getting in his face, there might be a reason why. See, that's kind of the thing. The officials aren't coming out to say, hey, this is what happened. You know, you, you, we don't know what Behan We don't know what Shisevsky uh, and all these other great coaches do, which is probably nothing except when Bayham got, got in his face at the end of that game. Uh, with him getting thrown out, was no great big deal. That having been said, that you, know, you just never know what's going to end up happening when it comes to these games. And it, what is he saying to those coaches? And, that, and I think that's the big thing. Um, and so you, we're not going to know from the refs what was really said um, unless they come out and say it. Now, I have not read if they said anything. But my question it would be is if coaches or refs are always in your face, there's usually a reason why. If it happens <laughs> once and then in the face, okay. Two, you know, maybe. But three or four, five times, he's saying something that he probably shouldn't do. It's almost like what you don't say in baseball. Cause it gets, you know, thrown out of the game. It could be the same thing there. We just don't know. Well, Paul, I, I think you're on to
2: something with, you know, there's a reason why they're in, they're in his face as well. But there is a pattern with this guy. But I will say this. His teammate, his team plays very hard for him. They respond to him, and and I think they understand he has their back. So, do you think this guy's going to cool it down a little bit? Do you think he'll get a warning? Do you think he'll get fined? Something that'll make him change? Uh,
3: yeah, it, I hope so. I mean, because he is a really good coach. I just, I just don't understand. I hope you know. I hope the AD will sit him down. But like, look, Mike, you know, you're a good coach, but you can't. You can't let these refs get to you. Even if the refs do say something to him or they seem to be on his case all the time, he can't let his anger take over like that. I mean, you can't have your players dragging you back to the locker room <laughs> because you're screaming at an official. You just can't have that, in my opinion. Well, you're telling the players
4: that play for you, too. I mean, these guys, they're going to take that next step, and the next, story that you'll hear about the player getting in the rest face will be from that, that same college, and they'll go, well, you know, there's the reason why. You know, they, they've got to be able to control themselves to be that leader for their team and for their locker room, and that's the coach's responsibility. Play, there's players that are supposed to be that way, but in reality, when that coach steps into that locker room, and when I played ball, and when I played basketball, when that coach walked into the, into the locker room, everybody shut up and you listen to the coach. Now, if players are in there yakking it up and everything and not listening, see, it's all about the discipline of the player in reality at a later state regarding this guy in reality. So when we see later on, you know, guys that graduate from, uh, from Connecticut move on, and if there are problems with the rest and stuff like that, you can go back and zero it in up on this coach.
2: Yeah, well, Paul, man, thanks for joining us and and giving us your take on this one. Paul is one of the one of the most consistent listeners to our show. Sonny, always good to get his opinion. Cuervo will be with us shortly, but 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 Sonny, which 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 coach? You know, we saw Bobby Knight. We we saw everything he did throwing the chairs on the floors, hitting a student or choking a student, always making physical contact with his players. So. Which, which, which is best for kids, do you think? Because some kids need that kind of tough love in a way, but there's other coaches like Krzyzewski, Calipari, Donovan, coaches like that are they're very composed most of the time. They do get in the officials and chew a little bit, but they understand that they're more valuable when they're on the court and not ejected from the game. So wh- which coaching style do you prefer if you're playing?
4: Well, you know, the, you, I, I got mixed emotions about that situation. And I think you probably know where I'm going. We got to remember the day and age when Bob Bobby Knight was throwing chairs across the the uh, the court. We got to remember those days. And the last time that he coached, you know, um, in reality, you know, he's been out of the game now for a little bit and everything. You know, Bobby Knight's old school. And and, see, and there's something to be said about that, whether it's Mike Singletary in the NFL. I mean, that's the perfect example is, is that old school isn't mixing very well with new school. And sometimes when you, know, when you look at Bobby Knight, well, that guy's old school. I'm going to tell you right now, Bobby Knight is not going to be an effective coach nowadays. I'm just saying it you know, and putting it out there. You know, in reality, he has a good season. But really, when, when you've got a guy that is that dinosaur breed of a coach, They don't do well anymore, and and it's because of society. It has nothing to do with coaching. It's the way society looks at coaching. So there's there's two different things. There's too many people getting involved with coaching now, whether that be the fan, whether it be the Internet, whether it be the writers, whether it be the players themselves. All these things now, in in our day, and I'll put this back to when I played in 82, 83, 84, or, uh, I'm sorry, 85, 84, 83, 82, you know, you, you, that kind of stuff didn't go on. The, the, you know, they didn't have that much influence. And then again, also on the professional level, you also had more professional writers in those days, more so than the bloggers, or anybody that will throw anything out there. Like I've said this many times, as the guy that's been in the locker room many times, I've sat on more stories than I've ever put out there. And the reason being is is because of the respect of the room, and the respect of the room's lost because of the new generation of the type of journalists and things like that uh, getting into the locker room, and they'll just go with anything that they get. Well, Sonny, I'm, you
2: know, I'm, I'm looking at Bob Knight and, and looking at him today. Like, why wow, I don't think he would be successful. And now, if you're back, back you know, he, he drove people off fear. They feared him. They knew he yep. would beat the hell out of them if if they didn't mind, if they didn't do what he says. Nowadays, if you're a player, you realize if he even says the wrong thing to you, you can have his job. You know how how yep. sensitive this country is becoming. And Cuervo and Jonathan's with us now. I'll start with Cuervo. What, what do you think about this, Mike Cronin in Cincinnati? Uh, the, the more aggressive type coach is always in the official space. Which type do you prefer?
5: Um, well, first of all, good evening, guys. Um it's tough. I mean, nowadays, you know, back then, you know, like Sonny was saying, you were either the soft, you know, player type coach, or you were just boss of the wall, nose hard, that you know, that nose hard type coach. Nowadays, you can't be. You you can't be either. You have to pick and choose. Really, in reality, your battles are now is it right? Not necessarily. However, that's what it's come to nowadays. You have to pick and choose. Um how you do things and um, you know you were asking earlier what kind of coach would would I be I know you didn't direct it at me but I I, want to get my opinion in on it I I, it all to me and this hasn't changed whether it's you know 40 50 60 years ago to today to me it all comes down to discipline And, and anything you do in life as long as you have self-discipline, you can succeed. And I think that's what coaching has gotten away from today. And it's not, it is the coach's fault, but it's also uh, society's fault. You know, yep. it, it's not, it's no, it's no longer about, well, you know, how good are certain guys in the clutch or can certain guys compose themselves when, when their back is against the wall? Now it's like, oh, wow, look at the cool post that he, that he put on Twitter today. Like, that's what, that's what, you know, people look at nowadays. And it's, it, I think it's silly to judge players and athletes based on what they put on social media or uh, look at that YouTube video that, you know, that LeBron just put out, this video of LeBron James. It, to me, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, who cares? Who cares about all that crap? All right, is he going to help you win games? It, it, uh, you know, are these guys going to help you in the clutch? Like that's what it, that's
2: what should matter, and but it doesn't. Smith, that's a good point. And Jonathan, you're on the line. I know, I know you and I agree, kind of. But I, I think the same opinion. Tell us your thoughts on Mike Cronin and and society now. How they view a coach like this? Where you look ten years ago nobody even cares because that's the most effective kind of coaches, the up-in-your-face coaches. So is this guy a little extreme? Is he over the top, or is it is it just his personality and he's being who he is?
1: Well, as somebody who is a part of this current generation and the only person in, uh, on air right now that uh, <laughs> is, um, I understand. I, you know, I coached JV basketball in high school um, when um, – when our head coach here uh, played trouble ball, and I understand that certain players have to be coddled because that's how they've been. They, they've been told they've been, they're so talented and that, you know, they can do anything. And, you know, everybody's always kissed up to them and, you know, always treated them like loyalty. And you get the best out of those kids. Sometimes it's to coddle them. With other kids, you can get in their face and yell and scream at them like my coach used to do to me and you get the best out of me that way. If yeah. you coddle me, I get frustrated. Um, you know, and I like Mick Cronin. I liked how he got in the, you know, I understand why he got in the official's face. I, mean, I don't know if I like it. Um, I mean, there are certain situations where you just have to stand up for your team when you're going to after the to officials. It's more of a statement to your team saying, look, I'm standing up for you guys. You know, I'm telling these refs that they're screwing you. Not, not me, not the fans, you guys. I'm looking out for you. And, and that, it's a huge thing when a coach does that for players. You see it in baseball where sometimes the game's just not going a certain way. And, you know, a manager, go, you know, just essentially says, I need to go get myself thrown out to wake this team up. And you'll see it happen. Also, the team wins. I've seen it happen many times with the Rays. Watching the Braves younger in my, you know, younger in my life. Um, and I know, Brian, you've watched, you watched the Braves. Bobby Cox did that quite frequently. But there was this nice where he said, you know what, this team's not here. I need to go out there and make a statement. I know they're going to wake up. <laughs> um, and, and there's a lot to be said for that. And I, I like Nick Cronin. I think he's a good coach. He's done a lot in Cincinnati. Uh, he's done a lot of good for that program. And I have no problem with the, when he went toe-to-toe the official. No problem with that whatsoever. Now with, you know, Jim Dayheim, what he did a couple weeks ago, was over the line because his team was in that game, and he went and got himself thrown out when it, they didn't need to be. And the players even said it. If, we don't, if those technicals don't happen, we're still in the game. Because Duke doesn't get the free throws. And that's where you need, you know, coaches need to realize that they need to pull a certain line. And that's where a lot of them, you know, they've been told, You are like somebody bringing up all the bloggers and everybody, that you need to be perfect, you can't yell or scream, you can't even look at somebody wrong. I mean, look at Green Bay. Wisconsin Green Bay is having a fantastic season this year. Their head coach was almost fired last year because three players came out and said, you know, he called them derogatory terms. Well, no not out he didn't. But he's almost fired just because of the accusation, not even the evidence supporting an accusation. And that's the problem with society nowadays. And, and, you know, I agree with you guys 100%. We, you know, it's a huge problem. We need to fix it. And, unfortunately, I don't know if that trend is going to reverse. It might just get worse.
4: Sounds like to yeah. me is, is that society nowadays, excuse me really quick, it, yeah, it, it sounds like to me, you know, we can see the... Uh, wussiness, I guess you can say, in today's yep. society and especially in coaching. And, and here's a good example. And, and you were bringing up Bobby Knight. That you know, how, about, how about his son, Pat Knight? He's the same mm-hmm. guy. I mean, my gosh, he's the same guy. He just got, he just got his butt you know, canned from Lamar. Okay, I think that was a couple weeks ago. Okay, so yeah, yep. he? And let me tell you something. He's every bit of the man that his daddy was, minus about eighty pounds. Okay, so when you look at that kind of thing, when you look at that kind of coaching, and you see the young guy be the dinosaur, because God, I mean, you know, he's twenty seven years you know younger than his father, you know, so. <laughs> You look at it. That that's just not working. And Jonathan is absolutely right. They're told that goal. They're told, and that's because sports nowadays. Back in our days, you weren't get, getting forty-two million dollar contracts. The most you got in my days, at least, were you know were you know two to three mil. Now, exactly. you know, the numbers are crazy. And, and the fact that they are taking a hold of these guys, you know, putting them in the burrito blanket and, you know, and rocking them until they get to the point, when, and then we expect them to grow up immediately. And then when they go out and do something super, we go, oh, he's a man. No, he's not. He's still a baby. He's just growing up. He's a toddler. And that's one of the problems with today's society and sports today.
2: Yeah, Sonny, I'm going to tell you the, the, the thing I see. You know, I officiate basketball a lot now. I gave up my coaching, you know, years back to go in and make a lot more money. So I officiate just to stay with the game. And and one thing I've noticed, is, and you guys are all right about society now, it's the parents' fault. The parents raise these guys up, uh, and they don't don't teach them the right way to play. And I'm going to point dads. I'm not just going to look at moms. I'm looking at dads right now. I was officiating a game the other day, call a foul on this, Pre-Madonna kid that's so bad he couldn't make the school team, but he's he's king of the rec league out here. So he comes up <laughs> arguing me about a foul, and I told him, I said, "Kid, if you ever speak to me again, I said you'll never play basketball in this gym in this gym again." So I walk over to his coach and told him, his dad is the coach actually, and he says, "My kid can talk to you anytime he wants to," and and that's what I'm saying. The attitude, my dad yep. would have beaten me half to death for even questioning mm-hmm. an official, and I, I being a coach, or my coach, I would not let my players talk to the officials. You get a tea, you're on the bench. My coach in high school would have killed me for even speaking to the official. But, Sonny, why has it changed so much that, that now these kids think they can come and talk crap to a referee? Is it because of the NBA on TV that they watch, or is it just bad role models that
4: haunt? No, no, no. It, it, uh, it's, it, it's all about what they see and they mimic it, you know. So mm-hmm. whether it's the NBA, whether it's the parents, and like you were just saying, if my, my, my dad, I love my dad very much, but the man didn't necessarily want me to know he was at my basketball games. I never told this to him, but he was at every single one of them. He kind of hid and kind of kept his way back. And if I would have done that, my dad would have came behind the bleachers and grabbed me up and took me <laughs> off the court. Okay, so mm-hmm. it's a, but it, so there's a different type of generation, obviously. My you know my dad's seventy, you know seventy-seven years old. So, but it, it's the same thing. It's the, it's and and i and Cuervo, Cuervo's going to back me up. It's the weakening of society, not the strengthening of society, because everybody looks at all the things that we're doing for kids as as a strength. And and frankly, as they get older and everything, it weakens the backbone. It weakens the the desire. It weakens the ability to make those steps to be a man or young man or whatever the case may be. And so we're all shocked. When a 22-year-old or a smart, uh, a, you know the, um, the guy from Oklahoma uh, State loses his mind you know, and he's a toddler. He's just learning how to walk before he gets in there. These kids don't know what reality is. And, you know, and and as parents, we're we're all kind of guilty of it because, and I I made mention of this one time. I know where it started. It started in my generation. It started in my high school when I was walking down the halls and I would hear these kids say, well, when I get older and I'm a parent, I'm not going to make my kids do and fill in the blank. And Cuervo? You know this. It's, it's just a difference, a weakening of society's backbone to where we are today.
5: Right, I and mean, we've talked about it on, on our show before. And, you know, I, I want to bring something up real quick, though, guys. Could I argue that the way, you know, uh, practices are held, the way locker rooms are, uh, you know, as far as teammates talking to each other in, different, you know, in certain ways, Could I argue that it's always been that way? However, now today, it's become, it's come more to light because of the public access that is given, you know, camera room, you know, camera, things like that. So it's, it's being brought to the surface more. But however, it's probably been like that for years. Now, I think another thing too is you know, you know, Tarvin was talking about fathers. Think about all these kids that don't have their father growing up, and the only thing they have growing up is a woman uh, um, their mom, you know, a, a woman figure in their life. and well, I mean, some some women, they're just terrified, and you know they, they you know some of these 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 young men walk all over the one parent that they do have, and they, they grow up and they get older thinking that, well, I mean, hey, to get what you want in life, that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to walk over people. You're going to have to disrespect, like, you know, because people owe me. Like, that's, that's what I get from the younger people of today is they act like people owe them something, but the lesson that needs to be taught is nobody owes you a damn thing. You have to go out there and you've got to get it. And that's what I tell, guys, you know what I do as a profession. It's no secret. You know, for, for these kids that come into my office and they say, well, I want this, I want, I want, I want, I want. You know what mm-hmm. I tell them? I say, have a nice day. Go go next. Go, go talk to somebody else because I'm not just going to give you anything. Uh, nobody owes you anything. So I,
3: I, I, I kick
5: them out the office,
3: guys. That's what I do. Wow, Cuervo, Mr. Tough Guy,
2: there. I don't blame you, man. I know in the Marines you have to, you have to have a certain code, and you you can't let a bunch of entitled kids come in and get in their military fighting for air freedom. That's that's going to be a disaster. But guys, I want to talk about another subject. Looking at our society, this bullying in the NFL with Incognito and Martin and Jonathan. I'll start with you on this. I don't know if you've heard the latest. Incognito checked himself into a rehab facility for mm-hmm. anger. I guess he, he beat his Ferrari with a baseball bat the other day and said it was just the way he'd been. <laughs> is, is this is this incognito situation, I, I really want to hear from all of you on this, is this a softening of our society, weakening of our society, really, seeing this Martin guy, or is this just bullying at its finest here? Was incognito wrong for this?
1: John Martin is soft. Jonathan Martin is soft. <laughs> Are you kidding me? He is pathetic. He wouldn't la- have lasted a week in my high school playing football. Oh, my gosh. Some of the things our coaches did to us were than <laughs> what Incognito did to him. Right. Come on. He's a big baby. I'm ashamed that he even considers having the same name as me. He's nowhere <laughs> even in my ballpark. He is pathetic. If I was just Incognito, I would have kicked his ass in practice. Come on. I- I- and I understand Incognito is going to screw loose. He always has. He could never out of trouble in college. He always had a violent streak. And he said that's from getting picked on when he was younger. And I understand that. Right? When you're the biggest kid in the room and you're not the biggest kid because you're muscle-bound but because you've got a little bit of weight around your waist, I understand that. I dealt with that in middle school. You fight your way out of a lot of situations. All right? What Martin had was he had, he had parents who pampered him his whole life. And all of a sudden, incognito starts, it just starts prodding him. And it all goes back to his rookie year. Rookie hazing. Everybody has to go through it. But sooner or later, you have to stand up and say, all right, guys, enough's enough. It was fun while it lasted. But at this point, we're eight weeks into the season. I'm no longer a rookie in training camp. All right, let's cut it back. And Martin never drew that line because he's soft. He just kept taking it and taking it and taking it because he's pathetic. He's 6'5", 300 pounds, standing up like a man. Now, incognito's crazy. He dipped his front of the baseball bat. You know what? That's a great stress reliever. I'm going to be honest. Usually I'd rather do it to somebody else's car, not my own. It's like Mr. for the car. But, hey, you know, Rich does what he wants to do. The problem is now, Incognito will not get another job in the NFL ever again. He is officially done playing professional football. He has ruined any chances of that. Martin, by the way, now looks like a golden child. Everybody's going to sit there and, oh, poor baby. Poor baby, my rear end. He's going to wind up on the Colts and be pampered by his college offensive coordinator. He's going to be protected by his college quarterback. That's all that's going to happen at the end of the day. I am so sick of this situation. The fact that you know, we're talking about the weakening of society, there it is on a national level, right yep. then and there. There you go,
2: guys. Sonny, I have a question. Could all this have been avoided if Martin would have just either beaten the hell out of incognito or taken one? Because if you just think about it, that's how you do bullies. You can't tell on them. You can't. To act like you're scared, you have to punch them in the mouth, and if they beat you up, probably you've earned their respect and they're going to leave you Mm -hmm. alone. I mean, I think Martin handled this entirely the wrong way. I mean, I think Jonathan's right. He was coddled as a kid, and now he went through hazing, and now instead of just beating the hell out of the guy, he sits there and takes it and takes it. Do you you really think Incognito would have came and raped his mother and sister or something? Come on.
4: Well, I'm going to... I'm gonna respectfully disagree, and I'm gonna say this because of what what was just said. Yeah, he should have went and punch, punched him in the mouth, but I'm gonna tell you, and every parent says this. Okay, I don't care who you are. Every parent says this is you don't you you don't you you don't respond with a fight. Okay, and, and, and something tells me, just from what I'm getting from Jonathan Martin and the family and everything, and this is the way the kid was raised, don't use violence in order to solve your problems. Okay, so it's a double-edged sword. When, so he's supposed to, you know, not use violence and move forward, you know, but when he gets into the in a NFL locker room, he's got to turn into this guy. He was never taught that way, and now I don't know that for po- positive. I'm just going by an educated guess that, and because his parents, I mean, hey, these guys are smart people, okay, all right. They realize that the 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 their situation that they're in, whether it be race or anything else, that they cannot and should not respond to that kind of stuff with violence, okay. And he was probably taught that. I mean, look where this guy went. From. You know, he went to Stanford and everything else. So, you know, he's he raised. He's smart. His parents are smart. Okay. So it's a double-edged sword. The parents are saying, and he learned from it is you don't reply with violence. Okay. Now, so you may think that he's a wuss for walking off. At, you know, and that that's absolutely. Fine, and you can have that opinion. I'm going to respectfully disagree with it. I don't think there was a better way he could have handled this, in my in my opinion, just because of the way he was raised, just because of what it would have looked like if it got out that he beat the hell out of Richie Incognito. Okay? Now, granted, it would have been very much – deserving, but imagine that story getting out that Jonathan Martin beat the hell out of them, okay? This story turns into a race story <laughs> that the black guy was beating up the white guy, okay? So there's no, no there's no easy way out of this story. It, it, it's a bad situation, and you know, with and, and I blame that part of it on reporting. I blame that part of it on too much access to players and things of that sort, and the way society has changed over the time. Well,
2: Cuervo, Cuervo, I want to ask you. I mean, I don't think you have a son, but if you, when you have a son one day, and if you do, and you and you teach your son, how are you going to teach him to handle a situation like this? Uh, I, I'm
5: going to I'm going to teach him the the the, you know, the opposite, the total opposite of of how Johnson And I know, and maybe it's wrong, maybe it's wrong, but it's I'm the to feel like says it's too.
4: wrong. But like, I, you're right.
5: Yeah, society says it, but at the same time, man, you gotta stand up for yourself now yep. in today's world. You have to. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, nobody's gonna hand you anything. You're not gonna just be given respect. You gotta go out there and earn it. And if that means, you know what, to, it, it, taking on the biggest guy, then hey, then that's that's what's gonna happen. Um, I'm not gonna tell. I'm not gonna teach. I wouldn't teach my son to go pick fights, but you know what I'm saying, like. It, it, no matter who, what size the person is, you don't back down. Like growing up, you know, in the city of Chicago, I didn't know, I'll be honest with you, I didn't grow up in the super rough side of Sunny Nose, you know, on the west or the south side. I grew up on the north side. It wasn't that bad, but there was still, there was still gang involvement in the area that I grew up in. And, yeah, walking to school and things like that, I, you know there there were there were people that would stop me and things like that, and I had to you know I had to find a way to to, to defend myself and speak up for myself. Um, I got my share of of you know getting things taken from me, getting beat up, forever, But I dished it back when I had the opportunity. At the same time, so um, you just it's it's survival of the fittest in today's world. But you know as far as Jonathan Martin is concerned, I'm gonna tell you you know you guys are, are on it. He was taught a different way. His parents are both attorneys, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah. you know what, in my opinion, honestly, I don't think this is the right type of profession for a guy like Jonathan Martin. You have to be a tough guy. You have to be a guy that can stick up for himself and not be that, that snitch, as people say, to play in the National Football League. It, it, you know, football is, is a sport where you've got to have thick-skinned guys and it's not about society. Thing. It was like that in the 70s. It was like that in the 60s. Ask dick Hutchins. Yep. Ask Jack Lambert. You have to have thick skin when you play football. This guy doesn't have it. He needs to go be a lawyer like his parents. I'm sorry. Hey, this is just not the right type of job. You know, he needs to find something else to do with his life. So, um, you know, that, that's, that's, honestly, that's my
2: take uh-huh. on it. Well, Cuervo, you know, when I was in, I've never told many people about this. When I was in eighth grade, you know, I was into sports. I played, but my mom always told me, you do not get in fights at school. If you get in a fight at school, no matter what, I will you will not play sports. I'm going to ground you and do all this. And I remember I was getting bullied in eighth grade, and this guy just not, would not leave me alone. It went on for a couple of months. And I finally went and talked to my dad about it. And I've never talked to him about it. And and he said, if the guy bothers you again, beat the hell out of him. But I'm going to tell you this. Mm -hmm. He said, do not not come home and lose a fight you started. I don't want to hear about that or you'll have to deal with me. So finally I I had enough of it. And, you know, one day I beat that guy to a pulp. And we were best friends after that. But what I'm trying to say is there is a time you have to fight. And you will not make a bully stop by trying to talk it out or ignoring him or telling on him. The only way you can stop a bully is to punch him in the mouth. And all you parents out there listening that are disagreeing with me right now, I'm telling you, you cannot stop a bully unless you beat the hell out of him. Jonathan, I mean, am yeah. I right?
1: Oh, so, I mean, you're right. And, you know, if – all right, growing up... I was a pudgy little kid. I had glasses and I had extra weight, so that, that I was already facing two negatives. Um, you know, and when I switched schools in fifth grade, first week of school, same kid kept coming at me, kicked the crap out of them, and became best friends. I wound up switching schools again. Everybody kept picking fights with me. It was a <laughs> terrible idea. I was just mean. I was just full of anger at that point. Kept beating people up. I went to another school, and the kids started picking on me. Get the crap out of him. We became best friends. Another kid decided to pick, and, and that's what you have to do because you fight. A bully is just looking for people to pick on to feel empowered because somewhere else he's not empowered. At the end of the day, all these kids that ended up trying to mess with me came from terrible homes, and that's what I realized at the end of the day was they all came from some sort of a terrible background. They came from a horrible home. You know they weren't doing well in school, and you fight them. You stick up for yourself, and all of a sudden you guys are best friends. Because they're just looking mm-hmm. for somebody else to be equals with us, you know. They they feel inferior to everybody. It it, it becomes a vicious cycle after a while, you know. And, you know, I fought my way from fifth grade to eighth grade. By the time I got to high school, I didn't have to fight anybody anymore. You know, everybody knew who I was. You know, as a as a man at that point, I wasn't going to back. I wasn't going to back down. But from the standpoint of I could I would solve if we could get into a fight. At the end of the day, I'd still want to be friends with you. Because I knew there was another reason. You didn't want to fight and you just said it looked funny. There was, something, there was another reason why you wanted to pick a fight with me. And, and we see it on the football field where you will find that teammate who just does not like you. And it happens at any, at any sport, at any level. And the day you guys fight, it creates any negative. All the negative tension is gone. Just completely ceases to exist because you stood up for yourself. You know, I think my best friend had to do it in hockey. When, you know, he was an American playing with Canadian kids. All he did was pick on him. He started beating them up. Next thing you know, the Canadian kids love playing with them. That's just the way sports are. You have to stand up for yourself. It's a football is a violent game. You cannot be soft like Jonathan Martin and play football. Just like Claire was saying, it's impossible.
4: Let me let me ask you a question. Listen to what we're saying, and and I might be out in my field. You know, Sonny, you know, conspiracy couch and everything oh. else, but. But when you think about what we're talking about right here, we're talking about what we would have done when we were younger. These are grown men now, okay, and they're expected to act differently. They're expected to do something differently as they're older. And so, and then, and so with it being older and they're supposed to be smarter, and of course, when you're a kid, you know, sometimes you just have to duke a duke. I mean, you know, I had to do it a couple of times to, to get it out there. But that's when when out you know, 8, 9, 10 years old. These guys are 22-year-old men now. They're supposed to be smarter, and they're supposed to be more mature. They're supposed to not be able to. So, And then, at what point does this turn race? Because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to still go back to it. If Jonathan Martin beat the hell out of Richie Incognito, this would be a totally different story if they had gotten out. Now, granted... A lot of those fights and a lot of those things that happened in the locker room, out on the practice field, stayed on the practice field, but now today's irresponsible reporting, that would have got out. And that would have been a, a double-edged sword. It would have been a race issue and the fact that they are adults and they should have uh-huh. known better. But here's the
1: problem, Sorry. Sonny. Here's the problem with that is that we've come to light that Pouncy was involved with this. So it wasn't about race after a while. You, know, you had Incognito picked on another white guy, McDonald, who plays for the Panthers. He picked on Martin. Kelsey picked on um, on Martin. The only time they said it really became racism, they picked on that assistant trainer who happened to be Asian. You know, and that's where yeah. all the this is where this is where the reporting bothers me, is they don't bring all the facts to light from the get go. Absolutely, all right? They, they they leak them all out slowly but surely, so the public opinion changes. It only will forever change this whole time. That's where nobody, you know, a lot of people just seem to skim over it. But public opinion on the Richie and jonathan Martin thing started to change because it was, oh, it's racist. It's a white guy picking on a black guy. And it became he oh, well, they were actually best friends. Oh, well, county's involved, so it's not racist anymore. Oh, they were picking on the, you know, the, the guy. Now it is, and you just sit there going, can we just drop race? The only reason why people talk about the only reason why, there's, you know, people will say there's racism is because people want to talk about it. At the end of the day, Jonathan Martin bullied, I mean, uh, Richie Cunningham bullied Jonathan Martin because he was a soft teammate. So, yeah. Hey, guys, guys Paul Ewing on the line right
2: now, guys. Paul, Paul's on here. He wants to give weigh in on this topic. Paul, are you
3: there? I am. First all of right, all, go let's, ahead, just, buddy. let's just all say a collective agreement that Incognito has got a few screws loose to start
1: with. A <laughs> few? Um, you. Gosh, you're being generous.
3: Well, I want to touch on what Sonny said earlier, and then Jonathan Martin, yeah, as a football player, and especially a guy who plays in the trenches, you think he would be able to take a little bit more, you know, than let's say a kicker would, you know. But what I'm going to say is, we got to realize something also that I haven't heard mentioned yet, that was released in the report, and Jonathan Martin was seeing this: is that one of the trainers was condoning all of this, like there was a trainer telling these guys to pick on this kid, and was laughing and laughing and chuckling about it while it was happening. I mean, and there was also reports of uh, male touching, spanking on the butt. I mean, just weird stuff. But what I really wanted to touch on is what what Sonny said earlier. (laughs) He said that, you know, he he sat on more stories than he reported out of the locker room. Mm -hmm. And let's all remember, outside the lines was the one who broke this. If they sit on this story, we never hear this. And that's what I wanted to say right there. Like Sonny said, if it was a story that would have been sat on and just looked at as, you know, picking on ha-ha fun, us, the public, we never hear about it, and it's never an issue. Done. And And they're all
2: still
3: on on the Dolphins.
2: Paul, I I know you've been in a locker room before you played sports. I mean,
3: the touching
2: and things, man, that's, That's some of the best times and worst times you'll ever have in a locker room, man. There, there are no rules in a locker room, and I think the weaker your coaching staff is, the the the, this happens. And look at Miami's leadership, for God's sake. That's one of the reasons it happened. But have you ever been in a locker room where there wasn't somebody coming in, putting icy hot in your jog straps, slapping you on the butt, pulling your pants (laughs) down? I mean, that happens. That
3: that happens in every locker room. Man, you're about ready
4: to make me cry. (laughs)
3: I've been in the locker room And we all have been in the locker room But I think I speak for all of us That says I've never been in the locker room Making a million dollars a year I've never played a sport as a business So I haven't either I don't know There's probably some big linemen out there That are like Look dude this is my job I don't want you coming in here And snapping me with a towel Or talking about you're going to Murder my family Or something like that you know. <laughs> I mean, that's, when you the,
1: that's when you beat somebody up. I mean, I, know, but, I mean, are we barbaric yeah, like up. that?
3: Are we barbaric like that? Like, okay, I'm not barbaric. Talk about my mom. You what know? a barbaric yeah. sport? Well, that doesn't mean that you have to be barbaric. Okay,
4: exactly. just because it's a barbaric sport doesn't mean you have to be barbaric, as well. And I think that's what he's trying to say. Exactly.
3: Yeah. I mean, you know. That is. It, like, I'm still. I'm more upset with the media. If this would have never been released, yep. this was never yep. a story. I
4: well, agree. well, Jonathan Martin, Martin did out leave the line. team,
3: and they're wondering where he is, and
4: that you know. So you <coughs> that it, it's part of the media's fault, but not. But I mean, when you got your your starting offensive guard just all of a sudden not on the team, you know that's gonna. <laughs> That's going to raise some, you know, raise some feathers on the reporters going, what the hell's going on? Why is he, why is he gone? And there's only going to be so yeah. much time that they're going to be able to cover the story um, as, you know, for personal reasons. Sooner or later, those personal hello. reasons are going to get out.
2: All right. Hold Cuervo. I'm going to ask Cuervo this. I mean, I know Outside the Lines reported and It wouldn't have been reported if, if they hadn't have brought it up. But how many NFL locker rooms does this happen in? Right now, today, or, or, or say before this happened, how many, how many locker rooms has this happened in? And maybe it wasn't a story because they handled it internally. Ah, uh, yeah,
5: yeah. I was going to say, if I had to put money on it, I would probably go with all thirty-two of them. In I some agree. Way. And probably all Yeah, and, yeah. A lot of the colleges too, but I mean, you know, everybody keeps talking about this is a profession. Is I mean. If you, don't, if you see this as just a job or just a profession, you shouldn't be playing, really, because you play, you play football, you play basketball, you play baseball because you enjoy playing the game. Yes, it just so happens to be how you make your living. But think about it. What did, Jer- what did, what did Derek Jeter say when, when he announced he was going to retire after this year? He felt like it started becoming a job. He wasn't enjoying it anymore. So for those that, that feel like, well, this is just a job, like, hey, man, it's time to move on, really. I mean, you've got to be over. playing for the, for the love of the game. Yeah, but yeah, but that's what, I'm, what I'm saying, uh, Tarvin, is, you know, as, as Paul mentioned, you know, for the guys that feel like, well, this is my job, I don't want to be treated like this, go kick rocks in. Go do something else. Because when you play in the
0: atmosphere,
5: when you, yeah, when you play sports, it should be because you enjoy playing the game, not because, well, you know, it's, it, it is your profession. I, I just think that, you know, these guys shouldn't look at it so much as, well, it's just a job. And I mean, there's, it's more to it than that. There's, it's more than just a job when you're playing in the NFL and when you're playing in the NHL and in Major League Baseball. So, I'm, um, I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's wrong. Um, I, I just, I just think some guy's mentality needs to be a little different. The other thing I was going to bring up, too, guys, is, you know, and this may sound crazy, and you want to talk about going into left field, Sonny. This, this, might, this might be like the comment of the night. I don't know. But for Jonathan Martin, for all those guys to sit there and just continue to, uh, you, know, um, you know, get on him like they did, the signs were all there to say, dude, we just want you to get a little tougher. We want, we want you to come out of your show and, 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 you know, become one of the guys and, and, and just do play better. You know, do, do you get what I'm saying, guys? Like sometimes guys will mess with you to bring out the best in you. It's just like when um, – you know, it's a competitive thing. You know, maybe maybe he, these guys felt like Jonathan Martin wasn't playing at, at his at his best at the, at the highest level. So they felt like, well, we need to find a way to get it out of him. And when you play when you play the game of football, you know, you have to be aggressive and almost to the point where you play with a little bit of anger. You know, to to bring out the the best in you, especially when you're playing on the line. I mean, your job is to push another dude around. And yep. when when you don't see that in one of your guys, you're gonna you're gonna find ways to get that out of him. And for so many guys to you know, to do that and, and for the trainers, hey, do what you can to piss him off, bully him it's because they wanted him to, to play his best. He wasn't playing they felt like he wasn't playing at his best, so Martin probably should have thought about it like, well, hey, maybe they're just trying to help me. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm way off. But, you know, guys, I think we all would agree on this. Whenever you're in a, on a team or something like that, the guys that you, that you joke with and you talk crap to and things like that, it's not because you like them. It's, it's, the, or it's not because you dislike them. It's the total opposite. Now, right. the guys that you don't talk to, the guys that that, that isolate themselves, the ones that you don't bother even looking at, those are the guys that that don't you know, you don't want that you don't mess with or you know, because you just don't feel like they're a
1: part of the team.
4: Like, I mean, that's that my that's friend is coming I'm from, from a military man right there.
2: Yeah. Hey guys. go. you like Martin, not go out
1: with him all the time.
2: I have a question for all of the panel here and we'll start with Sonny. It's a two-part, maybe a three-part question. But first, was Incognito going to get help all just a ploy to try to get accepted again? Because right now, he looks terrible in society's eyes, and a lot of teams maybe not pick him up. If he goes, do you think, first of all, it was a ploy? And second of all, do you think another team's going to come and and take a chance on him once he gets this professional help?
4: And uh, there's a circus involved with it now. Okay, you know, look at Tim Tebow. Can't get a job because of a circus. Not only that because of talent, but I, I think some team would pick him up if it wasn't a circus around him. So, no, I, I, I don't think that there's going to be too many people going to now take it. It would have been one thing if it was the first time it had happened or the first kind of reports that you get. But this is the second, third, now fourth time. Yeah, I, I, no one wants the circus. I think he might be done. Cuervo?
5: Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, I, I think it's really hard to say that a team would go after him. I just think there'd be too much attention, and um, you know, I mean, who's to say that this doesn't happen again? And oh, another another story comes out. I I just think it you know it would be too much attention on a team to take incognito. So
4: yeah, I don't know. I don't
5: know. I mean, God, they dude just destroyed his own Ferrari. Like, how crazy can you be? Seriously. Oh,
0: crazy.
2: Jonathan, what do you think, bud? I mean, is this all an act? Is this getting help an act to get him back into the NFL one day, and is anybody going to take a chance on it? If it,
1: is, it? if it is an act, it's a terrible one. Um, before before destroying his own Ferrari, I would have loved for the Bucks to sign him. <laughs> but after this, I mean, dude, you look like a total nut job. Yeah. Now, if you get if and everybody knows, if he's signed by anybody, it, it draws immediate attention to the locker room. There's going to be a thousand reporters there. Just like Tony said, it's going to be a TiVo circus all over again. The only team that will sign Richie and Cognito now is probably the Cowboys because it already it already is a circus.
3: <laughs> Paul. Come on, what do you think, the Raiders? <laughs> the Raiders? <laughs> uh, the reality, aside from the Raiders joke, if anyone was to sign him, someone like, what do you think, Marvin Lewis at the Bengals, he always gives guys second chances. Yeah,
2: I, I think he does. Yeah, he does. And I think he's, he is actually going to get back on with the team. and. I would be shocked if he ever did anything like this again. I think sometimes people learn a lesson, you know, they go through and now he's humiliated all a big prank, a, a bullying, now he's he's looked upon as a monster. So if he can get his image back, it might take him just a little while, but somebody like Oakland will definitely take him on and and make oh, him, yeah, they you can know, so the
4: league minimum. I mean, it, this is a great a great excuse to get and, folks, let's not deny it. The guy's a pretty good football player, okay? All right, so you're going to get him at the league minimum. I mean, no one's going to pay this guy more than the league minimum because they won't deal with the headache for anything more. So you you get a great deal up on the league minimum. And, and the, you know, the bashing of the, 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 the car, I agree with Jonathan. It is. And, by the way, just to let you also know, as far as, you know, incognito and everything else I heard a crazy statistic on one of these sports radio stations where they had a health advisor on they say that 65% of NFL players have bipolar disease so you know now when is this going to become a medical issue on why he can't get a job anymore so uh, it, it, wow, it's big, not one thing, it's going to be another. It's going to keep rolling. This story's not going to end for a while. I, normally you see a story like this and you can see an ending soon that we won't talk about it, but there are going to be more issues up on top of this, especially, and, and frankly, if, if Incognito beat up his car to put that as far as a, uh, <laughs> a debilitating uh, condition to why he can't play, uh, he might have something that will ride him right into retirement and he actually um, might be able to uh, get some kind of money, something involved with it by not playing anymore, by just this reason. Yeah. Well, so that's
1: if a he good point. They need strong veteran leadership. They do. He needs a yeah, team hopefully. that already has lead- Like the Patriots, check and Brady. It's hard to override either one of those guys. I mean, that's what he needs. And I think it's the only way you can succeed without a media circus. As a team brings them in, that has strong veteran leadership. You need a head coach who's got some gusto behind them that'll tell you to shut up and sit down. And you're going to need a strong leader on a team like a Brady or a Manning or you know somebody in that uh, in that regard that can tell him, "Look, you are a cog. You're not the whole team." Yep. You know, and, and that that's exactly what needs to be done. And you know, there's not that many teams right now, unfortunately, with so much turmoil in the NFL, that has that veteran leadership.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. Well, guys, while I have you on the phone here, you know, the NFL draft, is, it seems like it's forever away, but it's, I guess, a couple of months away. They moved it from April to May. And I'm glad Paul's on the phone, guys, because Paul is a huge Johnny Manziel fan. And, and I want him to hear from the panel tonight, and I want to hear from him last with Johnny Manziel here. And I'm going to say it right now to y'all, and I want your opinion. I'll start with Sonny. Sonny. Who's going to fall trap into this Johnny Manziel hype and piss away a first-round draft pick? I'll start with you, buddy.
4: If they're all smart, none of them. I mean, because you want to talk about the circus, you definitely get the circus with Johnny Manziel, and it don't matter what team he goes to. Um, so I think in reality what you've got to look at is, is there's a team out there that will welcome that kind of circus more so than the Tim Tebow. Um, now, granted, I don't know why that would be more of a circus that is more tolerable. However, um, it's always going to be a story. You're always going to be in the news. You got hey. You say what you want. Whatever team does grab them up, they got news. They're going to be in the news every single week. Why? Because he is the guy. He is going to be the guy as far as the quarterback is concerned, and we all know what a quarterback means to a football team. And, and also, if you're a team that's going to take him, you better play him. You have to play him. You don't have a choice. Yep. So you can mark all these teams out there with quarterbacks out. Okay, all these teams with quarterbacks that are going to be living and dying by what they already have. Um, so you can expect the Raiders. You can expect Tampa Bay, wherever, you know, yeah, Ooh. those kind of things. I, I'm sorry I threw that in for well, Jonathan. <laughs> well,
2: well, Cuervo, Cuervo I'll, I'll go to you on this one. And the reason I'm saying this, it's not that I hate Manziel and everything. I look at this draft. I look at how loaded this draft is. And, and, and taking a Johnny Manziel with his size, and, and granted, he, he did good at Texas A&M, but how will he be able to do this in the NFL? Is that too big of a risk? I'm saying yes. I'm saying there's some home run hits right here in this first round. Would you take Manziel
3: up at the top?
0: Um, I, I, I mean, what team am I? First
5: of all, I think that's a, that's a you know, kind of a, kind of an important thing to ask. I mean, and the reason I say that is because
0: something –
5: Alan, you're asking, well, which team is going to take a chance on him, and, and I'm trying to pull up the – um
2: The draft you know, the, order. The order
5: of, of – the yeah, the draft order. Why am I not finding it? I don't understand this, but – Well,
2: I'll tell um, you Houston's number one, I believe.
5: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're number one. I think Jacksonville's two – no, St. Louis is number two. Yeah, and then Ch- – And Ch- then you've got okay. – Jackson, I think Jacksonville's three, aren't they? And then Cleveland yep, four, Oakland's five. Okay.
2: And Atlanta six.
5: Well, I'll tell you this right now. St. Louis isn't going to do it at two. So if Houston doesn't take him at one, uh, let's see. Jacksonville, no offense, honey. They normally screw up the first round.
4: Absolutely. You've got Cleveland at four. They always
5: screw up the first round. O'Quinn definitely screws up their first-round picks. So my goodness, I think I think if he doesn't go one to Houston, I'm going to say probably he'll drop down to Minnesota. At I think aren't they seven the the Vikings? Eight.
0: eight,
4: eight, Tampa seven.
5: Campbell well, Tampa won't take him because I think you know, I think they kind of like where. Now correct me if I'm wrong, Jonathan. That they, they, they want to see where they go with Glennon.
3: But but, um, probably, but, yeah,
2: but, he, but Cuervo, is he too risky though to take up that high? I mean, what has he done that would make you think that he could come into the NFL and start as a quarterback and, and actually lead us into the playoffs?
5: He will help he will help you sell tickets, guys. Because yep. he he's full of highlights. I mean, the the, the two years that he played at A and M, uh, what do we remember him for? We remember him for Uh, tearing up Alabama's defense, first of all, but also Mm -hmm. the other, you know, the highlights that, you know, jumping around, making plays, uh, running for first downs, just doing things like that. I mean, he's not your prototypical quarterback size-wise, but he is full of playmaking ability, and that's what's going to make these teams take a chance on him.
2: Well, Cuervo, you, you say other teams, like, if you're not in Texas, do you, do you really think a lot of Cleveland people are going to come out to see Manziel play, or is this just being it from Texas? If he went to Houston, it would it would increase ticket sales and everything. Because I just don't see the Hell, Cleveland yeah, Browns or or, or or Jacksonville yeah. filling up the stadium to see Johnny Manziel since he has no ties to that state.
5: It, it, you know what though? But people know if you follow college football, you know who Manzo is and you know what you're getting with him. So that's in the Florida, difference between him. It. It's, that's the difference between him and a guy like, well, Blake Bortles. unless you're outside of Florida, you don't really know too much about a guy like Bortles. Or you don't know, you know, I mean, with, with Manziel, everybody knows who he is and you know what you're getting. So even if he does go to Cleveland, yeah, people are going to go and they're going to watch because
0: okay.
5: he, may, he may wow you with a play. You never know. I'm not, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying – People are, are hoping for that, and that's what people want to see.
2: Well, Jonathan, give us your
5: thoughts,
1: buddy. Well, you know, Houston seems like a good, you know, like that would be the place because born and raised in Texas, Texas, no, 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 no. no. Houston doesn't need Manziel. Uh, if you look, at that, uh, you look at that team, that offense, neither the quarterback is going to make smart decisions. Johnny Manziel is Brett gun gunslinging with Michael Vick's uh, escapability, his elusiveness. Not exactly the quarterback Houston needs. They need a pocket passer. They're going to take Bridgewater or Bortles. St. Louis obviously isn't going to take quarterback. They, they're trying to work on an extension with Bradford. They're going to look off at line if they even keep that pick. And that's the interesting part. Cleveland apparently – oh, well, Jacksonville. Let me get to them. They're number three. Jack, he will die in Jacksonville. There is nothing there for him to work with. Nothing. He will die. He will be out of the league in three years. He will—he will get absolutely slaughtered on a daily basis. Um, you know, and let's be honest, Jacksonville fans will freak out because, well, you'll draft Johnny Manziel, but you won't draft Tim Tebow. That, thats going to be the whole debate leading Good up to going. There, Let's be honest. Good. Um, Cleveland, you gotta love Cleveland—the ultimate smokescreen artist. Because ever since, you know, the season's ended Cleveland, oh, we want Manziel. Well, that was under Banner. And Banner is an idiot. Don't think anybody wants to try and tell me, Banner was an idiot. He, he is terrible. And now that you got a you know, you new GM, you got a new head coach, they're sitting there going, yeah, no, we, we really don't want Manziel. We want Derek Carr. So they're probably going to look at Sammy Watkins as the number four overall pick, pair him with Josh Gordon, and then take Carr at 26 overall. So when we get to Oakland, what does Oakland have? And I'm asking Definitely. this as a, as a legitimate question: What does Oakland really have? Because so Manziel, he might actually survive at Oakland, J- just from the standpoint of they used Terrell Pryor last year, and Pryor worked out pretty well to a point, and yeah. is a much better passer than Pryor, <laughs> much better passer than Pryor. So I can see Manziel going five to Oakland. Atlanta's not going to jump for no.
5: him. See, Jonathan, and I, I would love go. to. I would love to agree with you, Jonathan. But the but the Raiders are too dumb to draft him at five. They need him but they're too dumb to do it. They're probably gonna they're probably gonna draft the Duke quarterback or something at number five. But they're gonna do no, something really
0: stupid.
5: stupid you and then know, the it Raiders
1: will draft McCarron. Um but I mean, yeah. and that would be a good fit in Oakland. I, I you know, I, I would I could see him going there just from the standpoint of ticket sales. And Oakland knows they need ticket sales. Um Atlanta's not gonna jump Tampa's interesting, but I don't know if Lovie wants to jump for Manziel. He got sick of Cutler really quick. And that leaves you Minnesota at number eight. Yeah. I, I don't know why, but Minnesota just seems like they've been way too quiet this whole time since they've They've just been way too quiet. And I have a strange mm-hmm. feeling that if Atlanta doesn't trade up with St. Louis to take Clowney, Minnesota's going to trade up to the two spot to take Manziel. I'm dead serious, guys. For some reason, that just makes too much sense to me, um, that they've just been so quiet, haven't said a word. Who are you looking at? Oh, we're looking at everybody. What do you need? Hey, oh, we need everything. You need a running back? Yeah, we can use a running back. They're going, all right, Minnesota, what trick you got up your sleeve? Help me out. Help a brother out. Give me a hint. And they're not giving us anything. I think if it's not Oakland, it's Minnesota, guys. And that that right there could be a fit. Think about that. Johnny Manziel sure. with Adrian Peterson.
0: Uh, Paul, Paul,
2: you're, Paul, Paul, you're the big Johnny Manziel fan here. Tell me why you would draft Johnny Manziel up at the very top, or say top three.
3: Well, uh, I'm sure some of you may have this opinion, but for the last few years, I don't think there's been any quarterback that's been worth a number one overall draft spot. I mean, last one I can think of is Cam Newton in my opinion. Andrew Luck. Um, Andrew Luck. Yeah. Although he's he's I don't know I don't know I'm still out on him. But anyway, I think the first of all I'd like to say I think the Raiders are going to take Derek Carr at number five. I've read a few reports that he's the number one quarterback on their board. Pretty
2: Milk screen. He probably has a heart condition too. Probably right. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Oh. Huh? Who'll <laughs> <draft> Derek Carr's <laughs> son? I'm
3: lost. What happened?
4: <laughs> it it's just I think what we're alluding to is that a lot of NFL teams will say a lot to get your mind off
3: to get your mind off of what they're really thinking. Okay. Well it would not yeah. surprise me if you took Derek Carr at number five. I do think Manziel ended up in Minnesota. I think Minnesota along with Manziel and Peterson and then you put Cordell Patterson, and I believe the Vikings are going to re-sign Sidney Rice for the Seahawks. I think that's mm-hmm. going to be his best slot, his best bet. Yeah, I,
2: I just, I just don't see this guy being very productive in the NFL for any kind of period of time. He could come in like a Tebow and do some good things, but
3: I, I would hey, take Brian, over. Brian, it's like Mayock said, he's the next Doug Flutie slash Fran Tarkinson, man. Uh, I just I just can't
2: I just can't picture it, man. I just can't picture him in the NFL doing what he did in college and it being successful. And you have to remember at Texas A&M, every season he had great receivers and just the best offensive lineman in the world. I mean he he was protected; oh, yeah. and he was the hell beat out of him. And and some of the throws he made, I mean, it would take. I don't understand how these guys were making the catches, but if he gets to a team like y'all said. Jacksonville or somebody like that. He could be in some real trouble. But another controversial person in this draft, Sonny, is is Jadavian Clowney. And a lot Mm. of people, including myself, are questioning his work ethic. Is he worth that top pick overall? Because I, I think owners are
4: falling out of love with him a little bit, Sonny. I think yeah, it goes back to that smoke screen i don 't think anybody's falling out of love with them if they 're actually uh, liking them they 're saying they don 't okay so that 's the smoke screen of the n f l especially around this time because you 'll hear them say oh we 're not interested in them. bam when it comes to that time they, they grab them up. Um, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I, Houston has to go after this guy if they don't go quarterback. They'd be ridiculous not to. Um, you mm. know, just we've talked about it on our show. I mean, when you got the other guy on the other side, let me slip in my mind. But these two monsters going after the quarterback, um, you know, and then live a little bit on the defense, and hopefully you'll get enough offense to you know make yourself relevant and get into the playoffs and maybe make a run. Mm-hmm.
2: All right. Squarebo, I know you're a big clowny lover. Are you going to take him with that number one overall pick? Oh,
0: without
5: a doubt. I mean, and, and the reason for that is, like Sonny was saying, I mean, with him and J.J. J. Watt together, I mean, you think about the quarterbacks in that division. What do you got? You got uh, Blaine Gabbert. Andrew uh, Luck. Andrew Luck and then you have uh, probably Jake, Jake Locker. I mean, with those two guys, you don't have to worry about the other team putting points on you because you're going to be hitting the quarterback so much. So, in reality, I mean, it could really benefit the, the Texans from taking him I mean, worst-case scenario, what, they try Case Keenum one more year and then uh, maybe go after Jameis Winston next year if, if, if they have another crappy season. I mean, I mean, God, that would be so terrible, right? But I mean, I don't. Know. I, I think I think that's that's the way they should go. And then, yeah, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, everybody's talking about Agent Peterson being in Minnesota. I'm not so sure. Like, I've been talking about that for a while now. I, I mean, I really. I think now's the time if you're gonna if you're gonna, you know, the rumors flying around the, the for a little while that were going around about getting rid of them don't do it two years from now. You better do it today, especially with this draft this year, how yep. deep it is. Minnesota could totally rebuild their team through the draft this year alone if they were to get rid of Adrian Peterson. But, you know, are they willing to do it was the question. And I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, 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 it's hard to get rid of a guy like that. It really is.
4: Yeah, how would that affect t- t- ticket sales up there if they got rid of them? You know, I get exactly the motive on trading the Adrian Peterson right now, but really, in reality, would it affect ticket sales? Because hey, let's face okay. it that that football team doesn't sell out every single week. Um, and then what else are you going to watch in Minnesota? It, you're, you're only no, watching, I mean, you know. Okay, for well, well, let me
5: ask you this, honey. Let me ask you this: Would you rather, if you're a Vikings fan, okay, would you rather see your team? Uh, would you rather go pay 200 bucks for a ticket to go see Adrian Peterson one run for 150 yards, three touchdowns, and they might win the game? Or, you know, a, a, a rebuilt you know, offense with, with a guy, maybe Manziel, quarterback, with some, with some receivers, uh, you know, defense, you know, you, you get some guys. I mean, just an overall better team. And you know they're they're winning ten to twelve games a year, making the playoffs. Like, which one would you rather have? I mean, for as great as Adrian Peterson is, five five wins, ten losses, and a, and, a, and
4: a tie. I
5: mean, the, I mean every Everything's about winning right you?
4: now, though, isn't it, Cuervo? I, I mean, I, I'll, just, I'll ask the question. Every team's about winning right now. Hey. Everybody is in contention for the Super Bowl right now, Uh, even the Jaguars. I mean, so, you know, it's what can they do right now. And really, if you do go the route, and I get it, and that's about building your team, but really as a fan, what are you looking at at the same time? It's a different mentality, obviously, from the owners to the fans and then to the critics such as us. But in reality, if you're just talking fans, fans want to see Adrian Peterson. They don't want to see him go away. Instead fans. of bringing in a bunch of new guys that won't mesh for a couple of years.
2: Fans are fans are stupid. Fans are the reason Absolutely. owners are listening. The fans are the are the ones that struggle. And if you're Minnesota, wouldn't you think now that unless, you understand, you're, unless you're Jerry you Jones, you, you can't win a Super Bowl without a quarterback. And I don't care how many Adrian Petersons you have on your team. If you don't have a productive quarterback that can make plays, you're not going to win it. So if you're Minnesota, don't you think along those lines of getting rid of AP, getting some draft picks, drafting Mansell, or whoever you think can can lead your team to the playoffs. Because, look, if I'm a fan, I'm not going to go pay a lot of money to watch my team get the crap beat out of them. I don't care if Adrian Peterson had 200 yards and six touchdowns. If you're not winning football games, I don't want to go. And that's me as a fan, guys. And, Sonny, I could be wrong.
1: Oh, no, I agree, I, I agree with you. I agree with you hundred percent. Minnesota should have maximized Peterson's value when they when they could have after the two thousand yard season, trying to pull up a Herschel Walker trade which was in reverse, you know, Dallas raked Minnesota over the Coles for him, but yeah, that's what they should have done. But, you know, back to Clowney, um, if I'm Houston I'm not drafting Clowney. I mean, honest with honestly guys, I'm not. That was a top ten defense last year without him. And your, your weakness was, you know, the offense. You need a quarterback. And you have to address your needs. Hey, hey Johnson, yeah.
5: it's not going to be top ten this year, man. I'm telling you right now. Sonny knows exactly why. Uh, you know, when, you, when you lose Wade Phillips as a defensive coordinator, you,
0: you've
5: drastically downgraded your defense. Player-wise, I mean, yeah, you still have the same guys. But at the same time, it, it, I mean, look what he did as a coordinator, they went from from one of the worst to top ten in this first year, and then after that they were top five in every category. So, I, you mean Ray I, under, still
1: I understand that. Yeah. I do. Yeah, I I, do. I, I just, I, I, the defense, though, is just stacked, and I think the biggest need right now is offense. We saw it last year with Matt Schaub, and let's say that defense does regress, regress to the middle of the pack. Well, if your offense goes from being the bottom of the barrel to the middle of the pack, Think about a team that's going to, be, it's going to be competitive. Somebody's going to be 8-8, eight eight, maybe even 10-6-8 playoffs. This is a team that needs a quarterback. The Falcons are the ones who want Clowney because Clowney wants them at this point. And the Falcons haven't had a pass-rushing defensive end worth a damn. Because maybe John Abraham's first year. And then before that, my gosh, let me scratch my head and do some serious thinking. Um, I hope my Bucks don't take Clowney. Clowney is going to be Julius Peppers, so don't get me wrong. All right, he's going to have amazing – it's all the talent in the world. You know, and if Julius Peppers had fully applied himself at Carolina, we're talking about Julius Peppers breaking records. That's true. And Clowney's Mm -hmm. in the same line where you have to try and get Clowney up for every game. Clowney's not going to want to go to a team that's rebuilding. He's not going to want to go to Houston as the offense scores 10 points. If you score 10 points, oh, dog, you're not going to win. He he wants to go to a team that's going to contend. The Falcons are built to contend. They're coming off three straight years where they were, you know, out of the world offensively, you know, 11, 12, 13-win season, and they had one terrible year. It happened. right? this isn't a team that all of a sudden just fell off. All the guys are there. They just got hurt. Right? you throw Clowney in that mix, and he's going to be happy. That's going to be a playoff team all over again. That's what Clowney wants. He wants to be competitive. He wants to drive. You know, everybody, he keeps going back to, why well, I was double and triple teams. Well, I understand that a lot of the guys are double and triple teams. Everybody else around you should be able to be, uh, better and make plays you look at South Carolina, their sack total went down last year. And it wasn't because he was double and triple teams all the time. Don't give me that excuse. When Warren Sapp was in Tampa, once he started getting double and triple teams, our sack totals, well, Steve Thompson, if not Rose, because Simeon Rice is breaking loose and Nick Farnham is getting in the backfield, Ellis Swims, and that's, that is what makes a player around him great. Now look at J.J. Watt. He's a complete animal. He's getting double teams and still being effective. Clowning's getting double teams and nobody hears his name. That's the problem with Tommy is that you can't trust his drive, his motor. I would take D Ford, yeah. I would take Tony Ely, I, I would take one of those guys who we'll even take a gamble on Clowney because those guys are hungry and want to get it done. Clowney's not hungry anymore, guys. Right? He has no more hunger. He's in there for is a Is that big coaching now? The is that coaching, Jonathan? And
4: let me ask you that really quick because you get a Martellus Bennett or not Martellus, but Michael Bennett, who rolls out of there and comes as a superstar over in Seattle, what does that tell you about the coaching in reality, the difference of those squads?
1: Well, and that's funny because Michael Bennett had a fantastic year in Tampa, but nobody knew because we were a terrible team. Absolutely. Seattle puts up the same numbers. Everybody goes, oh, my gosh, look at Michael Bennett. Look how fantastic this is. And then Michael Bennett, his first four years of his career was passed over. Nobody even knew who Michael Bennett was. And when Michael Bennett broke out, people started to pay attention and, and, and because he has a hunger. He wasn't there just to collect a check. He was there to play the game. I don't know if Clowney's there to play the game. If Clowney was there to play the game, he wouldn't have checked out like he did last year. And if Steve Spurrier hadn't pandered to him and baited him like he did, Clowney might have actually been productive last year. But he was I, I agree with you. And I, I think I, I he still was worried about
4: injuries before he got to the, got to that level, though. Yeah, but, Everybody guys, I'm telling you, injuries Clowney
2: injuries. Clowney's still a beast, guys. Clowney, yeah, to is. me, I, I think the hunger is going to come back once he gets to this. I think he believed in his own hype. I think he was scared to play too hard to get injured and not get paid. But, yep. man, Clowney, if, if you watched this 40 and you saw the combine, my that, God, man, how could you – And that was, first over?
5: that's what I was going to bring up, is is – that 40 that he ran, he just bought himself a top, a top three pick with that. And us here uh, may not agree with that, but you know how scouts are. They, they're, they're dumb and they read too much into the combine. And they're like, wow, this guy's phenomenal. You know, and they forget you know, about watching him on film. And yeah. they forget about watching him on film. So they say, wow, I look at Clowney's time. Oh, yeah, we got to take this kid. He, he's the real deal. And they forget about the fact that, he he's like a light switch. He'll turn it off. He'll turn it on when he wants to. He's like Randy Moss on defense. And you know, guys forget about that. They get so caught up in the combine and the numbers and oh my God, it's, his vertical through the roof and, and you know his his uh, vertical or his uh, long jump is is awesome for a you know six five two hundred and forty pound defensive lineman or
2: or whatever he is.
5: And they forget about the fact that you watch film on him and. He's like walking on plays, and he's barely jogging. You know, they they forget about that stuff, and they're like, well, we got to take this guy with it. Our our coaching will, we, you know, we'll make our coaches will make sure he don't do that on the NFL level. And they tell themselves that every single year about certain guys, and then what happens? They they go back to being the same dude. So, but with that 30 time, I'm telling you, he's going to be a top three pick. I guarantee it. And, yeah, if, so if, you sense. know, if Atlanta, if Atlanta wants some guys, they, oh, yeah. better start, they better start calling Oakland. They better – or not even Oakland. They better start calling Jacksonville and, and, you know, some of these other teams to move up. Because at six, good luck if he's still there. I'm telling you, they better, they better start thinking about moving up. And, and that's another thing more. we haven't really talked about is, you know, what, what, are, what are some teams that we could see move up to, to get certain guys? Could we see – a team like the New York Giants trade up to get a certain guy that they really want, maybe a Sammy Watkins if they decide to get rid of uh, uh, Hakeem Nix or something like that. Uh, We haven't really talked about those types of variables, and it very well could happen.
2: Well, Sonny, I have about 10 minutes left in the show. I'm going to have to cut it at 10 Eastern tonight. Anything you all want to talk about before we get out of here?
4: No, I I do want to put out is thanks for the understanding to my co-host Cuervo I have been working up a storm, not only that helping with Abby's Pledge, working up a storm. We haven't done our regular shows in two weeks, so I have to put a public apology to, to Cuervo. Um I felt I felt good today and I, I'm glad we're at least being able to hook up on your show here this evening. So at least we're and, but hopefully you know, work calms down a little bit and obviously that has to come first before our show. And then, uh, of course, then we got the football game. So, thanks for being patient, my co-host. Oh, yeah, no worries. Well, I mean, I wasn't
5: exactly available today either. I was uh, no, busy, uh, today for busy watching busy watching the Bulls spank on New York today. So, that was a lot of fun, by the way.
4: Yeah, yeah. how would it go for the Bulls there today?
5: Uh, they won by 19 points, I think it was. So, it was, it was a good day, uh, game. Uh, Joe Kim Noah had a triple-double. So, it was fun. I had a good time
2: at the game. Cool. Oh, that's awesome. I'm glad you got to go. But to tell y'all what's going to be happening on our show Wednesday night, we're we'll going to be here and we're gonna. I want to talk a lot of college basketball and things, but I want to see more of a picture of what's about to happen with the tournament. And I can't wait to March Madness. And and Wednesday night we're going to start talking about some of these brackets. What we think is going to happen. Who? What are some teams to look out for? You know, I've been talking about Shockers, Kentucky. Baby. I'm, I'm, I'm off the bandwagon of, of Kentucky now. I was thinking that maybe they could, they could start playing together. But, guys, let's face it, if you're not playing good by now, you're not going to go into March and just start killing people. I look at Florida. They're the best team in the country right now. I'm sure Paul would agree. Wichita State, they deserve a high ranking. I know they played a weak schedule, Sonny, but Wichita State is a, is a good team. I think they deserve that, that number two ranking with an undefeated season right now.
4: However it works out, i got two teams I'm looking for, and as much as I don't like Bo, Boheim's uh, a- actions, those two losses were probably the best thing to happen to Syracuse all year long if they're going to stand up and get going and get back up on top of it. Wichita uh, State and um, Syracuse are my top two. You know, what, However the rankings fall and however the tables fall, those are two teams I'm watching.
2: Yeah, and, and and I look at baseball, too, and I know Jonathan's going to be happy. I had to mute him and Paul. I was having some problems with the lines, some background, and I, I muted them and, and cleared the noise up. So it was one of their phones. But baseball is what Jonathan loves a lot. We're going to be previewing the baseball, every division. We're going to be picking the winners. Man, I was hot last year. I just hope this year. I'm going to be able to do it. And Cuervo, I'll ask you the Atlanta Braves. I think people are jumping on that bandwagon to win the East this year, but I'm thinking the Nationals could be that team out of the East with that pitching staff, and they've got a great offense too. I think Washington could win this division this year in the East.
5: Oh, well, I mean, I think they can too. It's just you know a matter of what are what are they going to do with Strasburg? I mean, they're going to are they going to limit him again this year? Um, you know, let's say let's say. There's ten games to go, and they have a six-game lead. Are they gonna are they gonna shut Strasburg down? Well, uh, he's reached his, his you know limit for innings pitched this year, so we can't we just absolutely can't let him pitch, guys. Well, you're talking about an opportunity at a postseason here. Are you gonna let the Atlanta Braves come in and take that, or, or are you gonna you know let him? Even even pitching five innings is is a quality start in Major League Baseball, so let you know, i mean that that to me that's my concern for for the nationals are they going to limit themselves with certain players uh strasburg and things like that and and um you know I think Atlanta's the better team honestly but um but you know you can't you can't count washington out it's just they're still a pretty pretty young team uh from what from what I'm looking at and and um you know can can they can they hold on to leads that they have? It? You know, if they have a five-game lead going into the last week, are they going to find a way to blow it? Or you know, last two weeks. So to me, that's that's what I'm looking at with the uh, with the Nationals. But I, I like I still think Atlanta is the better team in all reality. I know you do too.
2: Yeah, and then the NBA. I want to talk NBA. It gets closer to the playoff time, and you were in Chicago today, and Sunny. I want to ask you to this before we go. Every time Miami is up against it. Every time somebody's like like they went to Oklahoma City the other night and just dusted them on their home court. Every time they're threatened, they come out and they blow people out. And I'm starting to believe that I don't think anybody can beat this team in a seven game series, Sonny. Am I wrong? Is there a team out there that can,
4: can beat the Miami Heat? In the only games. thing that can do it is Oklahoma State or Oklahoma City. I, I mean, if, and I and I've said this before on our show. There's only really, in reality, only seven to eight players in the NBA that are even worth watching, and three of them are over there in Orlando. Um, so, so that's a tough one. Um, to you know, in order to I mean cuz if you really look at it Oklahoma uh, Oklahoma City's going to have to get uh Westbrook back in order for them to go and I I don't know what his condition is if he's been playing lately I have been keeping up with with him but I have been keeping up with Kevin Durant who's going to win the MVP I don't care what anybody says if any you know I don't care if LeBron wakes up or whatever he's definitely got that MVP wrapped up but when it comes to the playoffs I I think I'm with you, man. I don't know if anybody can do it, and if it's gonna be anybody, it has to be Oklahoma City. Cuervo. Nah, no way. I, I mean, I think
5: Miami's gonna. They're gonna. They're, they're gonna win again. They're gonna. They're gonna finish the threepeat. I, I don't see anyone stopping the oh. Heat. In reality, I mean, and, and I don't even think it's that they're bored. Why the why they're playing the way they are? It's just. You know, when when they really want to win games, they they will. Yep. And um, I think what they're doing, they're just kind of conserving energy. I mean,
4: yep, they're buying their they time.
5: <laughs> yeah, they're buying yeah. time. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, but I think they've proven that whenever they want to play, they they they'll they'll destroy anyone in the NBA on any given night. I I don't know,
3: Oklahoma City. I just
5: no, nah, I don't I don't I don't think they have enough scoring in reality, Sonny. I think. If anybody can beat them, maybe... Yeah,
4: slow them down. If well, Oklahoma maybe. City's going to do it, they're going to have to slow them down. And that might be impossible when they want to run the ball. And that, that's, that's my only worry for Oklahoma City. If they don't slow Miami down, there, there's no way they'll win it.
5: Right. And, and I, I would say the Pacers, if anybody can do it. But that's, that's even a stretch. It really is. Because, um, you know, they just traded Danny Granger away. That was that, that's a, that's a guy that definitely could have been helpful uh, down the line, but I understand why they made the move. I mean, there was just no room for him. And, um, you know, so, I, but I, I think I think if anybody can slow down Miami as in taking it to a seventh game, it'd probably be the Pacers.
2: Yeah, that's a good one. Hey, guys, there's one before we go. I'm sorry I have to cut it early. I wanted to talk some college basketball tonight, but Jason Humphreys, on the line right now. He's been waiting. Jason, how's it going, man?
0: Hey, guys. How are you guys doing tonight?
2: Oh, doing good. Doing well. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for calling in. Yeah. Hey, who's going to beat the 90 Heat? You're out West. I think you're a Clippers fan, right?
0: No, Portland. Portland. Portland's doing it the in Northwest professional team I like. I um, of that. Dodgers,
5: Chargers, and I was in my Um uh, Yeah, beating the Miami
3: in the seven-game series, um, Indiana might do it if they get the top seed, but uh, 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 Miami looks pretty strong.
5: With the NFL draft, we talked about it earlier.
3: There's always been want one-to-correct. No one's talking about E.J. um Ponder from a couple of years ago. I think David
4: call goes number five, and yeah. All right, man,
2: well, we're out of time tonight, guys. Thanks for joining us. Sonny, Cuervo, Paul, Jonathan, thanks for joining us on the show tonight. It's been fun, man. I'm ready to talk some, some hoops, get into the tournament action and some baseball, but you know what, guys? College football, NFL football, it's a it's a year-round job, really, man. Yeah, it is. So, I can talk that all day long. And, and, you know, Sonny, I don't know if you've heard this stat, but if you have a show and you don't talk football, your ratings will not be up. So one one thing I know you do, Sonny, and you do it well, you and Cuervo, you talk NFL football every show you
4: have something. And am I wrong try. on
2: that? I mean,
4: we, people we want try. to We try. Yeah, we try because it is, and and the fact that we've also incorporated college football into it as well, um, I think that's huge. Now, granted, I would love to see that my indoor football league show uh, gets big ratings, but it doesn't. But the college and NFL definitely does. There, doesn't it, Cuervo?
5: Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, like like you said, Sonny, I mean, uh, on 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 your program, on the program, you know. You need that nicotine patch, hey? We we you know we got you covered. sonny has got you covered as far as IFL and things like that. So it's it's uh
2: you know it's football all year round in the Cox Potato Sports Show. That's right. Yeah, that's the only way we do it. And if you I mean if you want football, come to one of these two shows. We're always going to be talking yep. some kind of football. So year round, Definitely. it doesn't matter. We love it. But guys, thanks for joining me tonight. Trey couldn't be with us. It's been a a lot of fun with this panel talking some, some great debate. It was some good discussions tonight, and everybody has their own opinion, and we, we respect everybody's opinion, even though it, it may be different than ours. We we respect it. But guys, have a great week, and we'll see you Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Sunday. Or, Sonny, when are you going to do your next show? Sunday's going on Cuervo. Do you know when you're going to do a next show? Um,
5: we'll probably try and get something set up. It all depends on his schedule. Um, I would like to do something probably if I can on Friday because uh, Saturday morning I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna be working, so I won't be I won't be available for sports talk with the guys. So I'll probably try and you know put something up on uh, Friday night if it's possible.
2: Well, you know what? We could do a college preview. It's in February or March right now, but hey, you know I'm still accurate enough to give you my top ten maybe.
3: So, yeah, uh, that'd be that'd
5: be good. Maybe some <laughs> talk or something
2: like that. Yeah, it be good. Well guys, thanks for joining us tonight. We've had a blast. Sorry that we have to cut short thirty minutes tonight. My wife told me I had to take care of business and, and do some chores before before bedtime tonight. So Monday's work day tomorrow. Gotta to get in the bed at a reasonable time. But thanks for joining us, uh, Cuervo, Sonny, Paul, Jonathan, and Jason. Have a great week and we'll see you Wednesday night at eight thirty PM Eastern. All right, Tyron, have a good one.